0: I'm going to start at one minute. Okay, my apologies in advance, anyone who was uh, only watching this recording because I scheduled this at nine o'clock, um, my fault. Uh, definitely, uh, my life took a little longer um, than I expected, so if your husbands came home, you could blame it on me. Came home late, you could blame it on me. Okay, tonight we're going to discuss halachis pertinent specifically to women for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So tonight we are starting Slichis. Tonight is the first night of sliches. Slichis were initially instituted because uh, the reason behind it is, is that when we when we would bring a carbon to the base Hamikdash, we would have to inspect the carbon for four days. Right? Because ensure that there's no blemishes, nothing's wrong with the carbon. So the same way, we we the, the post can right is that here before Rosh Hashanah we're about to bring ourselves almost like a korban to offer whatever we can to Hashem. We do our own introspection for four days, and uh, that's why if Rosh Hashanah falls out on a Thursday, so then we will start slichas the matzah Shabbos before. But if Shabbos, if Rosh Hashanah falls out on a Shabbos, we always just the minigas to start out on a matzah Shabbos. That's why we're starting tonight. But really, this is the time that we want to focus as much as we can on doing tshuva. Okay, so the first night too. I'm going to work through this year chronologically. We're going to go through night, day, night, day of Rosh Hashanah and then Yom Kippur. So this year, we have to bear in mind that Rosh Hashanah falls out on a Shabbos, the first day. So numerous halachas will be different. For example, we will not be doing Shofar, we will not be doing Tashlech, um, we will not be able to cook because there's um, it's not Yom Kippur, it's also Shabbos. All right, so I first want to discuss is the Hanhogas Hayoim. How do we act on Rosh Hashanah? On one hand, on one hand, it's called the Yom in the Torah. So just like any Yom where we need to be b'simcha, Rosh Hashanah deserves simcha. But at the same time, it's also Yom Hadin, And that makes things a little tricky, trying to balance exactly how we're going to express our simcha on Rosh Hashanah, but at the same time, Amas Hadin. how we're going to be somewhat afraid, knowing that the court case is going on right now. So on one hand, we will wear nice clothing. Some actually have a minig to wear not as nice clothing as usually, but most people put on their finest. Uh, one muscle that's given is, is we're going to a court case. What would we wear if we would show up in court? We would try to wear our finest. And therefore, Rosh Hashanah, shouldn't be any different. And therefore, we um, we, we do dress as, 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 as nicely as we can. Many have the custom of wearing white clothing um, to represent the the, the the cleanliness, the, the, the clean slate without any Averis, without any khatayim. In addition to nice clothing, we also make nice food because that's part of the Simchas Yom Div. At the same time, like we mentioned, we also have to recognize and express our Eimas Hadin. So for example, this year the Shabbos, the Rosh Hashanah falls out on a Shabbos, many have the custom to not sing Shalom Aleichem. Almost like putting, setting the tone at the table that this Shabbos is a little bit different. So if you have a minig, you could you, you, you know, follow that minig. If you don't, you could really choose whatever you want. Um, but that's, that's something, you know, Trying as a mother in the home, much of the tone of the day, especially when the husband's in the show and the kids are at home, it's very hard to exactly, you know, maneuver you know, children or they want everything. You know, there's Amos HaDin, but at the same time, you know, there's also some chasyantim. So if you don't feel the you know, the, the awesomeness of the day, um, no, that is also yamtiv, and it's and it's okay to be besinfa as well. Okay, the night time, the first night of, of Rosh Hashanah, when a husband comes from from Shul, so usually they wish their family, their wife, and their children. You know, Shana which is said to a, a male and to a female. which means you should be written, you should be sealed. We only do this the night of Rosh Hashanah because that's when the the court is starting to to write down our our uh, our din, and therefore we we don't want to say the next day, you know, because we want to uh, allow everyone to assume that they've already been sealed for life. You know, if the, the next day, someone you know, wishes you, you know, these types of tidings, and you say, wait a second, I, you don't think you don't think Hashem already gave me a good year? It might scare them, so we just do it the first night of Rosh Hashanah, and that's it. Um... From then on, when you see a person, when you see a person in the street, up until up until Yom Kippur, we say, you know, you should have a a gemar that the, the seal, the final seal on your um, verdict, should be sealed for good, for life. But we don't say tichta say because it's already assumed to be written. All right, now here's something which is a, a set of halachas which are many times discussed in yeshiva, but really it's up to the women to decide these uh, to, to know these halachas best. So the Gemara tells us that uh, simonim milsa, that uh, things that we do, which may look um, superstitious, there actually is some truth to it. So what is commonly known on the first night of of Rosh Hashanah, some have the custom of doing it as well on the second night, is we take out simonim, we take out fruits and vegetables, which their name reminds us of some good idea. So for example, we'll take out a gezer, which is a carrot. When we say that Hu should be give us a good gezardin, which means like a good decree. Gezardin does not mean a carrot, but it reminds us, you know, it it it, it, uh, it inspires us to to say a yeah, Baruch Hu, that we should have a good year. Um, now don't feel bad if you can't get all the fruits and vegetables that you'd like because the kafaim writes that you are still allowed to say the hirotzain, even though you don't have that particular fruit or vegetable. You could just say it. You see it on the card. Oh, I want to think about that. You hear outside, And you could say that's tefillah to Hashem. The custom is that you say it with Hashem's name. You hear Hashem, And we say it with Hashem's name. That's interesting. We start off, the, the main custom is that we start with an apple. And there's a halachic problem with this. Potential problem. Because we are told in the Gemara that when we have one of the Shivas hamin and one of the seven species, which Eretz Yisrael is praised with, so then those species really take precedence if they're on the table in front of us. So the question really begs, how can we dip an apple in honey and make a or brok- a boripirates on the apple if we have a date sitting in front of us? Or a pomegranate, which are one of the Sheva Saminim. How, how could we take an apple, which is not one of the Sheva Saminim before them? So there are ways to perhaps Resolve this problem. But what many of the postcoms suggest is, is that before you bring out the Shivas haminim, I know it will make the table more beautiful, but to avoid this issue, so then the apples should be on the table first. Only the apples there in front of you. I don't have a problem that I'm not making a brach on a date or on a pomegranate. So therefore, just have the apples on the table first. You make a boyupriot on the apples, and you know, and tell your husband, tell your husband that, by the way, there's other fruits in simanim coming out. Have in mind when you make your boyupriot eights, or any other fruit that you're going to bring out, most vegetables that we have today are vegetables that are commonly eaten at a table and therefore they don't require their own dracha, will not require a boy adam. Okay, um, there's another minhag. there's a custom that people do not serve vinegary uh, chamuzim, things that are sour at the table on Rosh Hashanah. Some have the minig, I grew up that until Hashanah Raba, all the way through, these are days that even though Yom Kippur is over. We know, for example, Tashluch, which we'll discuss, that goes already on to Hishan Rabbah. the final, what they say, a petek, the final, final decisions are made on Hishan Rabbah and therefore there are those who do not have chrein or hot sauce or things like that, all the way throughout um, Hishan Rabbah. That should not be served for sure on Rosh Hashanah, that's definitely a, a minik that I think is well. but that's, uh, that's something to bear in mind. Even if you like pickles, even if you like that, that's just to remind ourselves, you know, this is a, we want to have a Shana u'mesuka. we want to have a sweet here. we don't want to eat anything which may remind us of some bitterness, some sourness. All right, during, for, for, for benching, obviously on Rosh Hashanah, we add in the words, we add in the, the paragraph of Yalav If a woman forgot to say Yalav even though on a normal Shabbos, if a woman forgot to say ritse, she has to repeat benching, except for Shalash so this, um, that you don't have to repeat benching, but on Yom Div, you have you don't have to repeat Yalav at all. So if you forgot, don't worry about it. The only exception is the first two nights of Pesach. There, a woman is obligated to matzah and therefore she has to repeat Yalav She has to repeat benching if she forgot to say Yalav but not on Rosh Hashanah. So don't. That's not that's not a point of concern. Okay, moving on to the first day of Rosh Hashanah. This year, it being Shabbos, we will not be blowing shaifer. I want to start off with the halachas of tefillah. So these are halachas which actually are pertinent to all year round. Uh, many women have the question of, when I wake up in the morning on Shabbos, can I eat? Do I have to make kiddush or not? So the same question applies in Rosh Hashanah. So the answer to that is, is that it's not so simple. Depends what you do normally. If you're a woman who davens shachris every day, which is, if you can do that, great. Um, most women with children, it's very difficult, difficult, difficult to do that. So if you don't, uh, if you don't daven every day, so then you're, you don't have to wait till davening. You can eat right away. If you do daven, so then it depends what you daven. If you normally daven just, that's all you're able to do. So then that's your davening. And therefore, a woman, she should, uh, say those brachas and then make kiddush to herself and then she could eat uh, the same is true for a woman who does more than that, whatever she is accustomed to doing if she daven shemana esrei, she should wait till she daven shemana esrei and then she could make kiddush and then eat um, even if she doesn't if, even if she, does, if she doesn't daven chakras normally, if she likes and she's very hungry in the morning, she can eat without kiddush since she has not daven chakras yet uh, children, for that matter, we don't have to train children really to hear to. Uh, even though there's a concept of in general, when it comes to these halochas of not eating before davening, children were not were not on them, and they can eat before hearing kiddush, and uh, that's not a problem. Okay, so now the question is like this: a woman, a woman has a choice. You know, maybe she has a friend helping her out, watch her children, or a sibling. Um, I think this year is going to be a little more difficult getting babysitters. So really, it boils down to, if a woman has time to daven, what should she daven? Talking about during the day, the daytime of Rosh Hashanah. She can daven chakras, she can daven Mosav, she can daven Mincha. What is the ideal? What should she do? So, it's interesting. The, there are some posts, some sofas, grandson, for one. He writes that there's on, on, on Rosh Hashanah, there's a greater obligation for women to daven. Not only shacharis, but even musaf. So the first things first is to daven shacharis. You have time to daven shacharis, do shacharis. If a person, if a woman is past chazos, so now all that's left is musaf or mincha, so she should daven musaf, and then daven mincha if she has time. Interestingly enough, that musaf is also true for Shabbos. Musaf should not be davened before what we call three hours of the day which is that doesn't mean three hours um, in hours as we know it, 24-hour clock. It means it it shows the way that a day is broken up, which fluctuates throughout the year. So this year is 9.55 a.m. Ideally, a person should not dive in Musaf If they're not going to be with a minion, they shouldn't dive in Musa before 9.55. So this is actually pertinent to women. So many times women wake up early in the morning before their children wake up, and they say, oh, great, I have a chance to dive in. So if they don't think they're going to be able to daven musaf later, so then we could rely on the fact that there are other minyanim, there are Nate's minyanim who daven very early, and therefore you could daven musaf early as well. But ideally, musaf should be pushed off until after 9.55 a.m. this year, since you'd be davening by yourself. Now here's another interesting halacha, which is actually pertinent all year round. So we mentioned that women are not obligated in Mitzvah as man so that means that a woman is not obligated to say Kriya Shema, any morning. It's a beautiful thing, a beautiful mitzvah to do. But here is an interesting, uh, what we call a Naft If a woman wakes, you know, only is able to daven well, after three hours of the day, which is 9.55, so then, now she has, now she has uh, excuse me, the fourth hour of the day, which is Zman Tfilo. So normally, we allow people daven up to Chatzos when it's in Oynes. But here's the question. Here she didn't, she wants to say birches kriyashma. Bircha's kriyashma is really tied to earlier, earlier in the day. So therefore, do we allow her to make the brachas of kriyashma? Brachas of kriyashma are Yotzer Oros, you know, Avaraba and Goal Yisrael. Those are Birchas kriyashma. Those brachas should not really be said after four hours of the day. So there are many, Chaim Kandievsky included, who rule that a woman who davens late, even though she's making it before chatzos, she should skip those brachas, meaning to say, she could have a zimra, and she gets up to Yishtabach, she should go straight to Kriya Shema, to say Shema Yisrael, and then as soon as she's done Shema, she should go to Shmoneh and she should skip those brachas. The Chavetz Chaim does write, though, that if you know, you're taking care of the kids in the morning, you have so much to prepare for the meal, you have, you have plenty to do, so then you do not, you know, that's considered an onis, it's not your fault. And therefore, you would be allowed to say the brachs of Kriyashma, but just to wait, to push it, push the limit. Say, you know, well, I got some more time. I got some chatzos. That really should be avoided. That should not be done. Uh, here's an interesting question. Um, Mincha, does Mincha come before Musaf? Mincha comes after Musaf, Even if it's already the time for Mincha, Musaf still takes precedence before Mincha. Now, starting Rosh Hashanah and throughout the Seresim Echuvah, there are a few changes that we make in our davening. We add in Shemana Esrei, zahreinu l'chaim melech hafitzu l'chaim, Baruch Hu, may you inscribe us, remember us for life. We add in Micha we add in Hamelach we add in melech during the week, and we say, uch-saiv tovim, and we also say, um, in Siyem Shalom, we say that that, that, that the other Kippit, I'm just forget, forgetting it right now. So those are not, if you forgot to mention those in Shemana Esrei, you don't have to repeat Shemana Esrei, except for one the only one is is Ha-Melech HaKadosh. If a person forgot to say Hamelach HaKadosh, they have to repeat, she should repeat Shemona Esrei. And um, if you're not sure if you said Hamelach HaKadosh, you say, well I think I did, I'm not sure, but since we're not accustomed to saying it, so then immediately after Shemona Esrei, you repeat Shemona Esrei again. Now during Rosh Hashanah in Yom Kippur, there are a few times in Shul that we bow down on the floor. And uh, the custom has evolved over the years. The Mogan Avram writes that in Hishal, only the Chazin bows down all the way on the floor, and everybody else does the, just how they bow down during Aleinu. The they bend their knees, and then they say, you know, at Korim you bend your knees, and then you bend forward. And uh, many women have that custom to this day. Some women like to bend down, you know, fully. Uh, to, totally on the floor like the men do. But there's no there's no set minute for women and they really can choose whatever they want to do. Now, the reason that you've, you may have noticed that we hand out handkerchiefs or towel, towelettes through our davening, when, before we bow down, the reason for that is, is uh, not really because we don't want our pants to get dirty. Um, okay, that may be a concern. We don't want people to clean their pants off on Shabbos or Yom Tif, that's a malacha of libon cleaning but the real reason why we do that is because the torah forbids us to bow down on what we call an evan mascus it used to be that uh, of the avodah Zarah, those who served avodah Zarah, would prostrate themselves on a stone floor And a stone floor and that was a way of serving their gods it happens to be rashi points out in Chumash that avram yitzhak and yaakov did that as well but once the goyim stole that concept already in the torah says okay now, no more you're not allowed to uh, prostrate yourself on a stone floor. And therefore, that's the reason why we take either you know, a, a towelette. Some people actually use men will use their talus or whatever you have to make a separation between the floor and your head. That's really where it's supposed to be, not your knees. People mistakenly put it underneath their knees and then they bow down on the floor, and that's that's missing the point. The point is that there should be a separation between the head and the floor. And uh, therefore, if you decide that you want to do that, you want to do hishtachavoya by aleinu or during the Avodan yom kippur or in musaf, you can. But uh, be beware, even if there's even if the floor is carpeted, or Shlomazam and Arbach felt that there should still be a separation. Okay, that wraps up the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Now, before I move on, I just want to just say one disclaimer about yomtiv. Hilchis yomtiv. Even though we are told in the Torah that there are certain permissibilities on Yom Tif, for example, we cook on Yom Tif, we could heat up hot water to wash our hands, to wash our feet. Um, it's, not a, it's not a free pass to do any malacha that we want. There are specific malakhas that are permitted on Yom Tif. It uh, deserves a shirin in and of itself, halakhas Yom Tif, they are tricky, but I want to give just a few just a few genera- general rules that you can bear in mind that will kind of tell yourself, you'll be able to tell yourself, wait, I have to stop and think for a second. Is this mutter or not? So, um, bohrer. What's the halacha of boer? Can you do boer on Yom Tif? This is a very common question. Everyone is accustomed to saying, yeah, borer is mutter." it's Yom Tif. The answer is that no, not all borer is permissible. Um, boer Chazal allowed us to make our lives easy on Yom Tif. That's the cloud that we have to go into. We have to make life easy. So for example, um i needed to to separate my you know my uh i have bones in my salmon i'm eating salmon I'm eating fish i mean there's bones in my salmon or i'm eating a salad and there's uh there's olives in my salad and i don't like olives so normally strictly speaking we don't really we're not allowed to do butter on chabbas we're not able to take out the bones you wouldn't be able to take out the olives unless you want to eat there, there are ways to, to do it on chabbas but on yom Tif, we're allowed to take out the bones because that's the easiest way for me to eat the fish but if it would be easier for me to pull the fish away from the bone as opposed to taking the bone out, or for example, more practical example, I'm eating a salad and there's olives and tomatoes and there's cucumbers, you know, and there's lettuce and uh, forgive me if that doesn't sound like a tasty salad, but most of the stuff you don't like. You only want, you only want, uh, you only want peppers. You can't say, well, boris, mutter, and let me take everything else out. Because also, no, that's actually forbidden. Because there, that's harder to do. We always want you to do the easier thing. That, that's something that's important to, to know about boder on Yom Tehv. Now, um, there's another, another important klal. The klal is as follows. On Yom Tehv, Chazal don't want to, us to be matriach ourselves. They don't want us to overexert ourselves. And therefore, they allow us to, to do certain malachis. But anything that I could have done from before Yom Tif, Chazal are saying, why are you exerting yourself on Yamtif? You could have done this before. So you'll say, yeah, but if I prepared the food, if I prepared the eggs, if I prepared the meat before Yomtif, it wouldn't taste as good as it does fresh on Yomtif. Say Chazal, oh, if that's the case, if now you're saying that it's going to taste better on Yamtif, if I prepared on Yomtif, then you're allowed to do it on Yomtif itself. But if it's something that could have been done already from before Yomtif, and the food is not going to taste any better or worse, it's not going to taste any better when it's cooked fresh. So then, because I'll say no, this we're not going to allow, and therefore they require us to do it with a shinui. We have to, we have to, to, to do it in some strange manner. So, for example, let's say you want to make a potato kugel, and you want to grate potatoes. So, if you're going to say the potatoes are not going to go bad whether I grated them before yumtif or on yumtif, So then, if we're going to grate them on yam tif, you have to grate it in a strange manner. Either hold the grater upside down, do it with the other hand. Think of some form of shinui. Do it over a towel as opposed to over a plate. That's another appropriate shinui. Some change which reminds us that, you know, if this is if I really should have done this from before Yom Um Just one caveat that if you didn't have the ingredients on if you know, you had to borrow them from a neighbor. And you say, well, technically, I could have. You know, cook the eggs, made hard-boiled eggs from before Yom Tif. Hard-boiled eggs taste fine in the fridge, whether they're old or fresh. So I could have done it, but I didn't have any eggs. So what What do you want from me? So Chazal said, we don't want from you. <laughs> if that's what happened, then it's okay. And you could cook the eggs on Yom Tif without a shinui. Um, these are some of the, just the, the klalim. Okay, let, that takes us now to the second day of Rosh Hashanah. So um, lighting candles. The minute is, is that we really Try to, especially this year when a Shabbos is the first day, you don't really have a choice. But we light candles after the time that it's uh, it's already for sure the second day. We don't take second day of Yom Tif in early. Um. So now here's comes the question: On a normal two day Yom Tif, so we say Shachianu on both days of Yom Tif. First day, self explanatory. First time I'm, I'm celebrating this Yom Tif. The second day of Yom Tif, we're going to say a Shachianu because we're not really sure whether it's the first day or the second day. Now, you may ask, yeah, but we have a calendar. So we are sure. The answer is, is that even though we are sure, Chazal did not want us to forget how to do the second day of Yom Tif. And therefore, we treat the second day of Yom Tif as how we treated it back in the day when before we had the calendar and people who lived far away from Yushalayim really didn't know whether it was the first day of Yom Tif yet. So therefore, we pretend, almost pretend as if it's the second day Yom Tif and we treat it with tremendous respect and dignity that it deserves. And therefore, on an ordinary Yom we will say yeshahachiyonu on the second day because it's a new Yom Tif. However, Rosh Hashanah is slightly different. The Gemara explains that in the times, even of the times of the Beis HaMikdash, so there was, it was a little tricky because Rosh Hashanah, unlike every other Yom Tif, which is in the middle of the month, Rosh Hashanah falls out on the beginning of the month. And that means is that you, it was really hard to know whether it was a, an extended month the previous month or was it, you know, what we call today a two-day Rosh Chodesh or a one-day Rosh Chodesh. Why is that? Why is there sometimes a two-day Rosh Chodesh and a one-day Rosh Chodesh? The answer is, is because <coughs> what, dictated, what dictates Rosh Chodesh according to the Torah? Strictly speaking, we have to have two witnesses who see the new moon, a sliver, a small bit of the moon, if they show up and they come to court and say, we saw the moon, so then the court, the Bezdin says, oh, now we could be Mekadish, the Chodesh, Bezdin at minimum of three, have to get up and say, Mekadish, 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 now it's a new month. So let's say, for example, it's Elo. And uh, no one's coming into court. It's the, it's the 29th day of Elo. No one's seen the new moon yet. Is tomorrow going to be Rosh Chodesh? The 30th day of Elo comes. We don't know. No one's here yet. What are they doing in the Mesa they Indosh? Bring, they're bringing Karbanas as if it's Rosh Hashanah or not. So this caused a lot of confusion. And uh not getting into the whole discussion of it, they decided, you know what, even as long as you're not within your reach everyone's keeping two days Rosh Hashanah. As opposed to, let's say, Sukkis and Yomtif, Sukkis, and Pesach, excuse me. So by the time that everyone figures out in Yerushalayim whether what day was Rosh Chodesh, Rosh, was, was Rosh they could pass the message along to the cities abroad, and uh, everyone will be able to figure out by that time. But Rosh Hashanah was very tricky because it's right on that day—the day of Rosh Hashanah—and therefore they instituted that there's a two-day that, that, it's, that it's two days for sure, and therefore we treat it as what we call a yoyma aritha, one long day of Rosh Hashanah, and uh, if that's the case, so then it's even more challenging to make a Shekhi on the second day, because this is already an institution from Chazal way back when in the times of Beis Hamikdash, and therefore, maybe it's not it's really what we treat as one long day of Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, to circumvent this problem, what we do is we take a new fruit on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. Why? Because a new fruit warrants a bracha of Shekhinu. And therefore, um, when a woman lights her candles, or when the husband makes Kiddush, so he should have in mind, and she should have in mind when she's saying the shachianu that I'm saying the shachianu for my, for the yomdif, because it's possibly a new new Yom Diff, But I'm also having in mind for the new fruit. And um, another option is to have a new, a new garment, to save a new a new dress, a new uh, what have you, something a, a garment that is that 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 that, that, inspi- that, that makes you happy. You know, obviously, if it's something a new pair of socks or something like that, you can't say a shachyanu on it has to be something that's more significant that would warrant a shahyannu. Okay, let's talk about tikir shafer. So, like we mentioned, mitz women are not obligated to mitzvace mangrama, and therefore they don't have to hear tikh shafer. However, the minig is the custom is that all women come to hear to hear the shofar blowing. It's a very important time. You know, Shofar, I mentioned today in Shil that sometimes the, the, Rambam, the Rambam writes is that when we the, the Pasuk says, Uri Wake up sleepy heads. Almost literally what it means. And that's why it says the Rambam Bodeshefer, to wake us up. Because sometimes to inspire us to do chuba, we need a jolt. We need, a, we need something that's going to change our trajectory. Because we get so accustomed and used to our daily habits that Life just takes its course, and it runs that way. And therefore, hearing a just it, it, it awakens one, awakens a person say, wait a second, I got I to gotta recalculate. And, uh, and therefore, we want everyone to, to have that opportunity to, so that they could do tshuva, And therefore, it's definitely a very, very important thing for women to come here shuva, and therefore we go out of our way to ensure if they couldn't come to davening, well, at least in the afternoon, we'll make it work. So the bare the the the, the bare bones of, of Kia Shafer is 30 kolos. See the Torah says Yoyim Trua yelechem. It says it's a day of blowing. It says the word trua three times, and therefore we know that we have to hear three blows. What are those three blows? A lot of confusion in the Gemara, and therefore, to satisfy all the different opinions, we blow the Shaifer 30 times. In Shul, we actually blow it a hundred times and that is to commemorate the 100 cries of one of the non-Jewish gentile one of the gentile officers who in Nach, who basically cried and because of that S'chus, a crying to, out to God we want to counter those cries and basically we blow a shofar 100 times to say don't give any merit to the goyim please allow us to find favor in your eyes and bring mashiach that's why we actually blow 100 a hundred times But you don't have to hear A hundred kolos And therefore It suffices to hear Thirty So let's say A woman comes to Shul And uh, she realizes Oh I missed the bracha I didn't hear the bracha From the bal Tokea. And should, should she just listen So the halacha is Is that she should really Make a bracha Because she's doing a mitzvah now We we as Ashkenazic Jews We, we allow women To make brachas Before they perform Mitzvahs hasesha's mangrama, As opposed to Sphardim him um, follow the opinion of the Machaber and and they do not make brachos when they perform mitzvah. So A Sahari woman wants to shake lulav, she's not going to make a bracha. But an Ashkenazi woman who wants to shake lulav, she will make a bracha. So therefore, if a woman comes to shul and she realizes that she missed the bracha, so what she should do is is she should wait. You know, she should follow along in her machzer, uh, and sees that during Khazar sashat, they're getting up to they're getting up to the next blowing. You know, it's within Shofar's, Malchus's, or Chaynay's. Oh, they're getting up to it right before they get up to it. She should say the brachas to herself. And therefore, those brachas, that that counts for listening to those. That that will be associated with those tikiyas. Now, even though the first 30 are, let's say, the the strict uh, tikiyas, at the end of the day, the custom is that we don't talk until we hear it, the end of all of the tikiyas. And um, that doesn't mean to say that you can't say Asher Yatzar, or to say, uh, you know, if your child needs you, Sunday that's Litzo, something that you really need to do. That's okay after you've heard the first thirty kolos. But the meaning is that we don't talk until the end of the final, the final blows. Okay, so this year, being that Shabbos it falls out, Rosh Hashanah first day falls out on Rosh Hashanah, first day of Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos. We do not go to Tashlich until. The second day of, of Rosh Hashanah. And the reason for that is, is because what is Tashlech? So there are numerous reasons given to Tashlich. Mainly, the main reason for Tashlech is, is because we're, if you look at the Psukim, which are really just the first two Psukim, there are many other associated tfilos which were instituted much, much later by the Chida and others, which you can say if you want to, but the main component of Tashlech is the Michalaicha, take a look there in your Machzer. And that's basically to arouse HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mercy. And to say, Hashem, we really wanted, we want to do good. We want to come back and we want you to accept us. And we want you to be the Melech. We want you to be our King. And uh, like on Shabbos, we don't ask for questions. We don't ask, make requests um, from Hashem. So therefore, we push Tashlech off until after Shabbos, the second day of Rosh Hashanah. There are two other, two other reasons given tashlach one is is because this is the day when avram went up to offer his son yitzhak on the Akhena. and uh, the measures tells us that on his way there the satan came and uh when avram had to walk through a, a, a shallow body of water the satan came and brought a lot much more water to test Avram until the water was all the way up to his neck and avram could have given up and he said no i'm not giving up this is what hashem told me to do i'm going ahead with the Akedah, and therefore to arouse HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mercy, and say, Hashem, remember what Avram did, so therefore we do tashluch specifically by a body of water. And uh, that's another reason for tashluch, and the third reason is, is because um, the Gemara writes that whenever comments on the psukim, that we find that whenever a king was coronated in, the, in, in, in Nach, so they would always do it by water. And it's symbolic that uh, the just like water flows and continues to flow and doesn't stop, so to really a mayan, we're really looking for a spring. That's the ideal thing. So too, um, this king, whoever we're anointing, Shlomah you Melech know, you can take a look at it in the Navi. They, uh, their their kingship should also last and continue, just like the water continues, the spring continues to produce. So therefore, because that's what we do by a melech baser v'adam, by a physical king, so therefore, it's brought down that uh, we're doing the same thing for Hashem. Because that's the real main focus of Rosh Hashanah. It's interesting that we're doing Tashlach altogether together on Rosh Hashanah. Because when we talk about asking for mercy, because if you look throughout the davening on Rosh Hashanah, it doesn't mention anything about, you know, we don't say Al Khait, we don't say Akash Al Baruch All we're focused on is the coronation of God now we know that you're the king Hashem. But let everyone recognize that you are the king and everyone's going to say that Ah, oh, that's what's going to happen at the end of the day like the navi says at the end of the days and therefore that's our main focus our main focus on Rosh Hashanah is to to declare that he is our king and therefore, just like the, the human kings were coordinated by water, therefore, Tashlech is also to go to the water to remember that Qadosh Baruch Hu, he is the Melech, and we hope that his Malchus will be recognized by the entire universe. Now, there's an interesting thing. Um, it's quite relatively new, but some mm-hmm. have the custom when they go do Tashlech, they take bread with them. They feel like, you know, like lots of many, many uh, mitzvahs that we do in the Torah, there's an associated action, shake a little, you have to eat matzah, you have to do something. So people, you know, feel uncomfortable, it's going to a body of water and just talking, just navening, we have to bring the bread, we need the bread. Now that's really, that's really I don't want to say made up because it's, it's difficult to really find the source, but there are some sources who discuss it, <laughs> but what should be mentioned is as follows. This already in the 1400s, uh, the Maharil uh, was upset about. He said, the people who go to Tashlech and feed the fish, feed the ducks, you know, that's usir. Us, because we're not allowed to feed animals which don't belong to us on Shabbos you Now, Today, my daughter asked me, can she feed the fish? I said, yes, it's our fish. We have to take care of it. Not only do we have to take care of it, but the luck is I'm not allowed to eat until my fish eats. until My dog or whatever you have, a pet that you have, they have to, be, they have to eat first. So we have to take care of our animals, but animals that we don't own, there's an actual prohibition, a rabbinic prohibition from feeding them. And therefore, the Maril was very upset when he heard about people going to Tashlich to feed the animals on Yom Tif, because that we're not supposed to do. If you want to do Tashlich afterwards, it doesn't have to be on Rosh Hashanah. Most can write that we could do it all the way up to Hashanah Rabbah. Many have the minute to wait the whole last minute to do, to, to do Tashlech. Um, that's not a minic, intentional minic, that's just what happens. Um, so then you can, if you want to do it, you can do it. There is, uh, people think you are throwing a virus, you know, throwing a virus away. I know my daughter came home with a song like that uh, last year, but that's not true. I couldn't find anywhere who says that when you throw bread, you're throwing our virus away. Um, throwing bread maybe to feed the fish, that's, that's maybe what, what the reason behind it, if we could, if we could find the reason. Um, but many, you know, all my who have, have seen the Tashuk, they don't bring any bread with them. And especially on Yom Tef, it would be us to do that. Okay, that wraps up Hilchus Rosh Hashanah. Hilchus Yom Kippur. So on Yom Kippur, there are deferring minhagim as to whether a woman should light candles or not. The common minigir, common practice here is, is that women do light candles. And not only do they light candles, they light it with a bracha. And they say a shahianu. Now, in addition to lighting the candles for Yom Dich, for Yom Kippur, um, there's also a custom to light a Ner Shavas. Now, the Ner Shavas is actually halacha, but everyone does it just in case we don't have a Ner Shavas. Is that Chazal wanted us on Mutzah Yom Kippur to make Havdalah. Now, in order to make Havdalah, they felt, we need a candle which was lit throughout the entirety of Yom Kippur which we, we never used it the whole Yom Kippur. We are demonstrating that now the Yom Kippur is over, now we could use the flame. See how Kadar Sparachu? We didn't use it the whole Yom Kippur, but now the Yom Kippur is over, and now we can do Malacha. Now we're going to, now we're going to light our candle from this. We're going to make a Lahadak uh We're going to say Maori Ha'esh on this flame. So therefore, we have to light a candle prior to Yom Kippur to ensure that post Yom Kippur. We have, a, we have a light. And uh, unfortunately, people don't know this. They just think, oh, I have to make Havdalah. And they go, they take their match and they light it. And it's actually a bracha Because if a person does not have a nerish Shabbos, they are not allowed to make a bracha. You can't make a bracha. Unless Yom Kippur falls out of Mitzvah Shabbos. But it doesn't this year. And therefore, if a person does not have a nerish Shabbos, they should ask a neighbor. They should find a candle which was lit from before Yom Kippur. And therefore, it's a comment when we think about Pre- preparation for Yom Kippur, you don't want to last minute to say, oh no, I forgot my Ne'er Shashavas because many candles aren't going to last that long. We have to have a, a yard side candle, you know, a 26 hour candle or more, which will be there by the time that um, by the time the Yom Kippur is over, so we can make a ma'ari ha'ish um, on that candle. There is another custom that uh, men light a Ne'er Bari, which call, some people call a Ner Chayim. it's a candle which is there to represent that we hope that we live throughout the year. We want, we want a bari means health, but we want health. And a candle represents that. And therefore, many men will light their own candle, besides for what their wives lit, they'll light their own candle called a nerbari. Now, there's another candle or a light. Now, if you, don't, if you want to use a candle, you have the bari. you can do, do it yourself. But since that there are five chamisha inuyim, five things that, we're, that we have to refrain from, from on Yom Kippur, one of them is marital relations. And therefore, to ensure that no one violates that yes, sir, um Chazal told us that that we let, have a small light in the room. And therefore, there's nothing to be concerned about. And therefore, some people take the nearbari and they'll put it in their room. Or some people will have a little closet light, the bathroom light, whatever you have um, that's on in your room to ensure that we are to comply with all the chamiche inuyim. Okay. Chinuch on Yom Kippur. So, this is a tricky thing. Most of the year, we try to educate our children to keep all the different mitzvahs. However, Yom Kippur is hard because it's a very, if we would ask them to fast, it's a very hard thing to fast. It's obviously other fasts. It's not a question that children have to do. But Yom Kippur is a real daraisa. It's, a, it's the only only fast that's written in the Torah. And therefore, we want to educate our children to fast. So, how should we do that? So, that ma- the mainstream opinion is, is that until they're 11 or 12, they do not have to fast the entire day, meaning 11 for a girl and a 12 for a boy. Once they're 11 or 12, they should really try, 12 for a boy, 11 for a girl, they should try to fast the entire day um, to g- get themselves used to fasting because next year they're going to be fasting for sure. And uh, here it's a daraisa. And we really want to be mechanach them. When they're younger, so then... We could do a tiniest ice. We say you want to fast just the first, the night time of Yom Kippur. That's a nice thing. You know, as they get older, you want to add, an, add, add two hours every year, you know, as they get older. You now, that's what I have with my daughter, who, um, you know, she's only seven now. And we're trying to train her you know, to wait between milchics and flasheks. So, you know, every two years, every two years that, uh, you know, on her birthday, she knows that, okay, now we're adding another year, another hour. So by the time that what is it? She's ten. She's already waiting six hours. So you do it gradually. You do it in a way that they're capable of doing it. They don't have to do it, but it's something that we want to be cognizant of. Um, Wearing leather shoes, the same thing. This is a little easier for kids, obviously, because today with Crocs and slippers, and many of the shoes don't even contain any leather. um, It's not that difficult. So that's something that they could do. Obviously, only once they're the age of chinuch, which is really five or six. Anything under than that, it's okay. They don't have to keep. They don't have to keep any of the chamishin. Okay, um, one more halacha here from Yom Kippur is that uh, many times, by the time that the men come home after ni'ilah, it's quite late, and the fast can get quite difficult. And therefore, women want to know: Can I eat? Can I? Do I have to wait for my husband to come home? You know, do I have to hear havdala first? And the answer to that question is, is that first of all, like on any ordinary Shabbos, you're allowed to have water before you hear Havdalah. And therefore, if water is good enough, good to go. You can have water. There's no limit on that. Um, you can take a drink as long as it's after Tseysa Kachabim, three stars. And, uh, but eating, though, eating something more significant, more, more substantial, that's going to be a problem. And, if, and therefore, you should wait for your husband. But if you don't want to wait, you just make your own Havdalah. That's okay. You can make your own havdalah. It's really just uh, similar to what we do on Matzah Shabbos. We don't say the prefatory verses. We just go straight to We say Ma'ore Haesh. There's no Kippur, and then we also say Hamavdo This um, wraps up Hilchas of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur for women. Um, obviously, if anyone has any questions, I can take them now. Um, or you could email me or call me, whatever is more convenient. Okay, have a wonderful night. And have a kesiva vachasimeteva, a good gebench there.